Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. Terrace Martin, a musician and producer, was born in Los Angeles' Crenshaw District. He first started in music as a saxophonist. He played in jazz bands, went to an arts high school, he even went to band camp. He wasn't much older than 18 when he figured out that life wasn't for him. At the same time, the kids growing up around him were freestyling and making mixtapes and beats. And who wouldn't be excited about that? With those two parallel backgrounds, Terrace kicked off a career that would make him a trailblazing polymath in popular music. As a producer, he's worked with Snoop Dogg, Charlie Wilson, YG, Kendrick Lamar. As a solo artist, he's released about half a dozen albums. Terrace channels classic artists like Sly Stone, Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder, and Herbie Hancock, while also landing some pretty great features. Heavy hitters like Kamasi Washington, Thundercat, Wiz Khalifa, and the aforementioned K-Dot. Terrace isn't the kind of guy to be slowed down by anything, including a pandemic. In 2020, he released seven EPs, including Village Days, a record that features a jazz tribute to the late Nipsey Hussle. When I interviewed Terrace Martin in 2017, he just released a record with his band, The Poly Seeds. It's called The Sounds of Crenshaw, Volume 1. Here's a little bit from it, an instrumental called Funny How Time Flies. Martin, welcome to Bullseye. I'm, I'm thrilled to have you on the show. Man, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. You're really emphatic about blurring the lines in music, not creating boxes in music. Um, do you think of yourself as a hip-hop producer or as a jazz musician? I think of myself as a, a few different things, but, the, but uh, I, how I like to explain that is... Um, I don't think of myself as any uh, as any one particular musician. Uh, my foundation is hip hop music. After hip hop, I discovered jazz. So those are my foundation things, and uh, those are always my point of directions for most of my influence and most of the records I do. Um, I always could find a certain energy in my point of direction, which is hip hop or jazz. That's why I'm in my CD player right now. It's anywhere from Sonny Stitt to Dexter Gordon to Too Short to Irk the Jerk, to N.W.A., to Joni Mitchell. It is hard to define the kind of guy I am because of my foundation are made up of things that are gumbles of other things, you know? So, you know, uh, I think right now I am a musician and um, uh, I'm a producer of many things, uh, records and children. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I I appreciate, by the way, you throwing the yay in there a little bit. I know I, mean, I know I, you're look, pandering to me, but look, I appreciate nah, it nah, nonetheless. Hey, look, you know, I wrote a song called Oakland on my last record. People would tell you, I would live in West Oakland if I could right now. I can't because every day I'm I'm so involved with pushing this L.A. thing to the next level. Let's talk about the gap between hip-hop and jazz music. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a legacy of people connecting hip-hop and jazz, mm -hmm. but it's mostly been by, like, inviting one jazz musician to play a solo on a hip-hop record. Mm -hmm. um, or it's been super corny. Mm -hmm. Um what do you see as being the things they share and what do you see as the things that are different? I think, number one, both jazz and if we're just classifying, put them in these things, both jazz and hip-hop both come from uh, black people. And they both come, some of the foundation of struggle and happiness and, and uh, you know, just, just living. Um we all go through a lot of the same and all these songs are usually written from somebody's perspective or somebody's what, what they went through. You know, you listen to Miles Davis in the midst, like, like live at the plug nickel and he's playing milestones and so intense. And he's Tony Williams hitting all those slick polyrhythms on the drums, Ron Carter, all that harmony, Herbie Hancock playing intense, intense, you got to understand what was going on outside while they were playing that music. Black folks was getting swarmed with water hoses, beat, huh, killed everything. This is 60s. That music was a reflection of what the hell was going on outside. Hip-hop, you listen to the police buying W.A. That music is nothing more but another reflection from what's going outside. The difference is there's no instruments in these young black man's hands. It's microphones and turntables. When I think of corny jazz, and this is no disrespect for anybody out, anybody out there getting their money in the school system, the universities that's teaching jazz. But when jazz got institutionalized, that's what made this corny. When you start having to go to a classroom, and that's beautiful to learn the harmony and everything, but when you have when you have kids that's coming from all these different places, which it is it's for everybody, but now you have a kid that he may not have went to the struggle because Hank Mobley did, but now he could transcribe a Hank Mobley solo. And now he could be accepted for playing a Hank Mobley solo on a gig. You dig what I'm saying? That's corny to me. Sounding like somebody else is corny. So when jazz got institutionalized, the motherfuckers started waking up at 8 o'clock in the morning studying this shit and breaking down this shit and they ain't sacrificed this shit. They ain't went through nothing, which is cool. The music is for everybody, but the art of doing it comes from something else, period. And I'm a kid that's grew up in a jazz household and everything. So I know, you know, you, um, when you, when you grow up playing jazz, you live in hotels sometimes. Your family has no money sometimes because you're, you're playing jazz. When you grow up with a hip-hop dream, you live up growing up because sometimes your family has no money, but you have a dream in hip-hop. What's the difference? Is it drums and jazz? 
Is it a struggle in jazz? Is it drums and hip hop? Struggle in hip hop? It's struggle in both of these things. So how dare somebody separate these things? Especially from a person that lived both angles of the and realized it's no difference. And I wish it was because maybe I was taught if I just play jazz sometime and smile, maybe I'll play in the Lincoln Center Jazz Band one day and get a job and wear a suit and tie every mother day of my life. Or maybe I'll do hip hop and get a big car and a big chain and call the bad and get my family out the ghetto. It's both me trying to get stability. So what's the difference? So that's why I don't blur lines in jazz and hip hop. I want to play one of the first hip-hop production credits that you've got. Uh, it's from the 213 album. That's Snoop Dogg, Nate Dogg, and Warren G. A joystick. Yeah, it's called Joystick. She said she wants to ride my joystick. She act like she wants to ride my joystick. When it comes to females, y'all still buying buying at retail. It's a gift that keeps giving to all like that little country the day ago. Sort of sweet tempered verse there. <laughs> was that the first was that the first time you got your you got your name on a record? Yeah, as a producer, yes. As a producer without behind somebody else and being the secret guy, yes. And you were working with Battlecat at the time? Yeah, a lot, a lot. studying with him and lit living at his house he was teaching me a lot man he he's a sort of for folks who don't know like a really legendary la g-funk producer yes yes probably underappreciated outside yes. of california yes but he's um he's like uh his sound is in everything i do today you know he's you know he's like a duke ellington in my world you know i didn't give that beat to snoop i think i, I gave that beat to warren and Warren was working with Nate a whole lot, and I had just got with Nate too, so I was working with Nate a whole lot, and uh, you know, catching the bus out to his house in Willing Hills. Then they would go, we would from Willing Hills go to um, Irvine, where Warren G Studio was, and that's a long drive. Irvine, and th they did that. They they did Joystick, and I remember Warren calling and say, "Yo, we, we we got one. You know, we're gonna use Joystick for the two one three record," and I was like, "What?" What? It was Joystick, another one I did for uh, Warren Red called PYT, him, Snoop, and Nate. And it was three of them they did. That's the one that made it. But um, I remember that. That was a huge feel. And I was on the road with Snoop when it came out. I remember we was in Wichita, Kansas. Were you playing with his band? I was playing with his band. And we was in Wichita, Kansas. And I remember going to the CD store and spending all my per diem on like five other CDs and just look, <laughs> just kept looking at them like... Wow, I, how did I get from here to a CD? You know, that was a that was a that was big for me because I was like, people, oh no, I mean they said my name on the radio. I remember that felt more. Just saying my name felt, I felt so appreciated. You know, I felt like twenty something years at that point was, was struggle was over. Like, and it was that was a monumental time. That was like, I'm a producer. I'm a producer, and I have a credit. I I I could do this. I could do this. You know. L.A. has this musical tradition. I mean, you're about the same age I am. Mm -hmm. When you were a kid, it was the blossoming of L.A. hip-hop. Like, mm -hmm. you lived in the heart of that. Like, when you were a kid was when it started. When you were a teenager was when it blossomed. Mm -hmm. I came up at a time when it was only me. <laughs> it was... 
it wasn't I, I didn't have any peers in LA doing what I was doing. So sometimes it looked strange when I had a horn or something like that. So I had to put it up a little bit. I had to mask the horn because I was around environments that would see a saxophone and automatically think, well, what would they think? What would they think? What's the word we keep flying? Jazz, right? Yeah. You know, so. Or maybe even corny. Or, or, or maybe even corny, yes. I got to take him on the road and just do these all the road. Maybe even corny. So the horn in hip hop at a time when I was coming up, it just wouldn't look cool. And looking cool is how you stayed around. Looking cool. Who had the most beautiful woman? Who had the new Jordans? Who had on the Issy Miyake cologne? Our curve for all my players out there. The saxophone thing was accepted more in the Lamert Park area because that was the jazz area of LA. And uh, it was a few cats that dug it. But when I went to go, you know, because I mean, I got my name around LA for carrying around a drum machine before it was internet. It was like a jam session. Like you, I had to carry around a drum machine or go to somebody's neighborhood that had a studio and do beats in front of everybody on the spot and let them know Terrace Martin ain't around from the west side with my drum sounds that Battle Cat gave me. And I sampled all my old DJ Quick drum sounds. I'm coming to your neighborhood, blood, crip, essay, whatever. I'm banging out this beat and I'm going to build my reputation around L.A. What kind of drum machine were you traveling with? What? A MPC 3000. What with fully blown memory and internal zip drive by Bruce Forat? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Right. If anything cracked off with the horn and where I was trying to go get my rep on for my music, I was in game banging. I didn't grow up doing music in the conservatory. I didn't grow up. I, all my friends didn't do music. All my friends gang bang. So my thing was making them move so I couldn't have my horn with me because we may have to run. More of my conversation with Taris Martin after a quick break. Coming up, it turns out that Taris Googled our show before he agreed to come on it. And I guess he liked what he found. I mean, he came. It's Bullseye for MaximumFun.org and NPR. Welcome back to Fireside Chat on KMAX. With me in studio to take your calls is the dopest duo on the West Coast, Oliver Wong and Morgan Rhodes. Go ahead, caller. Hey, uh, I'm looking for a music podcast that's insightful and thoughtful, but like also helps me discover artists and albums that I've never heard of. Yeah, man. Sounds like you need to listen to Heat Rocks every week. Myself and I'm Morgan Rhodes, and my co-host here, Oliver Wong, talk to influential guests about a canonical album that has changed their lives. Guests like Moby, Open Mike Eagle, talk about albums by Prince, Joni Mitchell, and so much more. Yo, what's that show called again? Heat Rocks, deep dives into hot records. Every Thursday on Maximum Fun. Are you ready to take your career to the next level? Well, LifeKit's here to be your career counselor. All this week, we'll have episodes to help you plan your next career move. We'll give our best tips for asking for a raise, finding a mentor, switching careers, and much more. Listen now to the LifeKit podcast from NPR. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is Taris Martin. He and I spoke in 2017. Martin is a producer, a saxophone player, a rapper, and a composer. He's collaborated with Kendrick Lamar, Snoop Dogg, Stevie Wonder, and many others. The last six months or so have seen Taris release a torrent of music, including a solo EP this past December and a collaborative record with Robert Glasper and Kamasi Washington called Dinner Party. 
Here's a song from that album. This one's called Freeze Tag, and it features Chicago producer Felix behind the mic. They told me put my hands up and I'm okay. I think they got the wrong one. I'm sick and tired of running. I've been searching what the love went. I've been looking for the dove, and they told me if I move, they go shoot me dead. I want to play a record that you produced, I guess, now last year for YG. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a big single from his last record called Twist My Finger. Cool. Tell you what, Terrace, that rattles the door panels in my car. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a heavy record. I mean, uh, that has, that feels like it could have been produced by Battle Cat. Mm-hmm. That's that same heavy electronic funk sound. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think that in the last couple of years, you've spent a lot of your time working with two of LA's greatest rappers. Mm-hmm. You're You've worked a bunch with Kendrick Lamar. You're frankly, one of the greatest rappers of all time. But a guy who is, you know, what we used to call super lyrical, right? And YG, who is the plainest rapper. I mean, I've been listening to the YG's record over and over and over and over. I mm-hmm. really love it. And one of the things that's amazing about it is how how plain and simple his lyrics are and how powerful Mm-hmm. They are from that simplicity, mm-hmm. um, you know, not simplicity as a put down, you know, mm-hmm. relative to not because he's incapable of complexity, but because he is choosing a kind of clear defined power. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're talking about Kendrick who made, you know, into Pimple Butterfly, which you worked on extensively, mm-hmm. one of the most sort of dense and complex hip-hop records of a successful hip-hop record since Public Enemy, aesthetically, like a really, you know, a richly intertwined record, a record where there's so many sounds and so many things going on. And those those are such distant poles, but they come together specifically in what I hear from you in Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. that like this isn't, both of these are an LA thing. Like these are about this place and people from this place. Mm -hmm. If you think about history in L.A., most artists, the real bad mother come from Watts and Compton. You know, Charles Mingus to Eric Dolphy and on, you know, to... Charles, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, it it goes on and goes on. So Compton's one of the last seasons in L.A. where a lot of people over there leave their doors open. Still. Now, the news will tell you some other... And it goes down. But Compton's one of the only places I've been that I felt more safer. You know, my dear, dear friend Chachi, uh, problem, he's from he's from an area in Compton. 
the west side of Compton by a high school by Centennial High where him and Kendrick went to school together and everything. So he's from an area of Compton that maybe on the news and everything is crazy and it has been some, a lot of crazy where he's from. But every time I went over there, it was so much love. Even with the most aggressive guys living across the street that you may have heard about doing the craziest dirt, everybody doors was open. They was walking back and forth in each other's homes, feeding each other and talking to each other. No matter where you was from, if you came to Problem House on that block, you were warmed and welcome. We come from a different side. We come from the Crenshaw District. Me, my friend Big D, we all spend time at Problem House. So it's a warm thing in Compton. Fast forward that, me knowing the history, me always having a place in my heart for the city of Compton. When I had a time to work, when, when, when the opportunity presented itself for me to even start working with Kendrick at such a young age before anything, it was my duty to work for a Compton artist. I have to, you know. So working with Kendrick from that angle, I understand Kendrick's angle. Why? Because I love jazz. Another thing, I know the history of Compton. Some of the most intelligent children come out of Compton, California. All my friends graduated. Even the ruthless ones graduated, you know. Smart people. Two-parent households, everything, just dealt with a different circumstance and, and a different hand in life at a different time and had to make different choices. But intelligent, integrity, family values is Compton, California. You're listening to Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. I'm talking with Terrace Martin. He's a musician and producer. He's got credits on a bunch of hip-hop and jazz records, including Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly. I want to play a song from To Pimp a Butterfly that I, I love, uh, another one that definitely rattles the station wagon um and it's one that you worked on called king kunta oh word i got a bone to pick i don't want you monkey mouth cause sitting in my throne again i'm mad but i ain't stressing true friends one question where you and I was walking, now I run a game, got the whole world talking, King Kunta, everybody wanna cut the legs off him, Kunta, black man taking no losses, oh yeah, where, where you and I was walking, now I run a game, got the whole world talking, King Kunta, everybody wanna cut the legs off him, when you got the yams, Thundercat is playing bass on that, how Battlecat and DJ Quick would play bass on the keyboard, that's LA, the musician is copying the producer. You have a new group called the Poly Seeds. Yeah. They are, you know, the core elements of this group are some of the best jazz musicians you know. Yes. It's not a straight jazz record. Oh. Um, what did you want to make? Why did you want to make this? Because you, you know, you came out with a solo record a year and a half ago, two years mm -hmm. ago. What's different about this? The difference with this record is a, it's not a Terrence Martin solo record. It's a collective record of a group of artists together that had an individual look and an individual, when I mean look, I should say an individual outlook. They all look at life different. And an individual sound that I can recognize without saying you sound like this person or that person. And put a group together, bad mother put them in the studio and cut a mic on and have some good alkaline water some great medical cannabis because my back hurts um, and good vibes and good people. And, and I wanted to assemble some that not only represented great music, but also represent the world, which is just really people say it. I can't say it enough, but peace is a big thing. Peace is a big thing for all over the world and for neighborhoods around the world as well, especially places like Chicago. So I want to do a project 
with these kind of people that understood struggle and also understood that we have to try to put a Band-Aid on this thing, on this thing called hate, on this thing called, you know, stress. Only way to do that is to make people dance and just forget about that moment, you know. And I assembled with the right team of musicians and producers, Trevor Lawrence, Brandon Eugene Owens, Robert Spud C. Wright, uh, Robert Glasper, you know, me, myself, and uh, the vocalists and the writers on here really will stand out to me. Like you have uh, Rose Gold from Baltimore. She's also on Velvet Portraits. She travels with me. Um, writes amazing. You have Wyan Vaughn, which is my writing partner since my career started, which is uh, her mother's Wanda Vaughn of the Emotions. Her father's Wayne Vaughn wrote Let's Groove and all these great songs. And and she's a teacher to teach kids, so she has a different mindset when she writes. And then you have Chachi. Chachi, which is which which is an artist, also goes by the name of Problem. Chachi on here is showcasing this songwriting, vocal production, and, and everything else. And uh, we have a new song called Intentions out that we just shot the short film for. I'm excited for everybody to see it. It seems like you're very deeply invested in this musical community in L.A. Like, that's the thing that, mm. you know, when you hear about somebody coming out of L.A., you always hear, oh, you know, and they've been working with Terrace Martin, and mm. they're part of that whole Terrace Martin thing. Mm. Um, that you're, you've gotten to the point in your career where you can be a leader in tying these people together, whether they're coming from jazz or hip-hop or mm. R&B or anywhere else. Yes. That's the goal. And and doing interviews like this really, like, um, and I'm not, I don't give a f about two nobody's horn. This is how I feel about this interview right here particularly. I did my research, and these interviews really matter. I don't, I don't do a lot of these. Because I don't want a lot of these out because these are times where I could really be. Usually when I get called by something like this, I know that the person about to interview me. Let me look them up because I know they on some other This ain't no bull They're going to ask the real question. They're going to know what color draws my mama got on. Let me act, Let me get my right. These interviews help me get my message to everybody because in the hood, we know what's up in the hood. These interviews help me and my community gang allies for help. They help whether it be schools that need instruments or people that just need a word or I just want to bring awareness to different things. That's why I only do a few things. And these are every time I do these things, they stretch to somebody that I needed to stretch to. You know, thank you, man. I, you know, I, I love doing these and um, everybody else. We love everybody else. But the word is this. If you see a musician on the street playing an instrument, if you don't have nothing to give them, just tell them thank you. Thank you goes a long way. If it's a live show in your, in your city, just go see the live musicians. If it's any good record that you want to sing and that you want to go and that you want to feel good about, sing that mother. I asked YG. I said, man, you be going hard when I first started working with him. He said, T, I go hard because people get up going to work every morning can't go hard. They can't say, fuck the my mother boss. I hate my boss. My boss can my his wife. Everything about my mother boss. You can't say that. YG can. You could drive, get it out, and go on your job and feed your mother family. That's a real artist. A real artist's job is to be the voice that somebody can't be in my world. So anybody supporting that, I'm with. And thank you again for your time. Terrace Martin, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Man, thank you so much. I, I appreciate it too. Terrace Martin from 2017. Let's go out on one more song from him, a track from the Poly Seeds album, Sounds of Crenshaw, Volume 1. This is Intentions.
That's the end of another episode of Bullseye. Bullseye is created from the homes of me and the staff of Maximum Fun in and around greater Los Angeles, California. I have had to segregate my dogs. One of them was bothering the other one too much, so now I have an upstairs dog and a downstairs dog. Our show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our producer is Kevin Ferguson. Jesus Ambrosio and Jordan Cowling are our associate producers. We get help from Casey O'Brien. Our interstitial music is by Dan Wally, also known as DJW. Our theme song is by The Go Team. Thanks to them and their label Memphis Industries for sharing it. You can also keep up with the show on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. We post all our interviews there. And I think that's about it. Just remember, all great radio hosts have a signature sign-off. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR.